Hey ladies, back with you with an inside look at the I'm Ready Retreat and also with a huge, huge announcement for you. I want you all to know about this. The doors to my 10-week coaching program, God Wants You to Be Rich, are open right now and you can all learn more about that and register at yaeltrush.com forward slash rich. This is seriously the program that so many of you have asked me about where we learn about money management and mindset from a Jewish perspective. There's nothing like this and the doors are fun finally open, but just for a few more days. So check it out at yaeltrush.com forward slash rich. Feel free to DM me on Instagram if you have any questions or email me. See you soon. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. We are live. We are live. Let me see who is here. Who is here? The music was low. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. It's such a nice song, right? Hey, Miriam. Welcome. Welcome to day number four. You guys, who has been having an amazing time in this retreat? Tell me in the comments. Tell me in the comments who's been having an amazing time. Are you all caught up? Are you all caught up with the, you hear me? Great. That's amazing. Okay. We're all caught up with replays. Where are we holding? Is this your first time, your first day? Is this your fourth day you've been here live? You've been watching replays. Hey, Phyllis. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. Yes, it's such a great song, Justina. It's it's my song, my my podcast song, and I I love it. What can I tell you? You've been having an amazing time. Good for you, Hannah Victoria. Yes, me too. Two. And today we're going to continue doing that. We set such an amazing topic. We have money dates scheduled. I saw a lot of great homework. I saw a lot of our homework. Money dates are scheduled. I want to say a word of caution on these money dates. I, I only men- mentioned it briefly yesterday, but that is that we are not, we're really not starting with our numbers. Okay. We're really starting these dates by doing some of what we've done together in during these five days, by looking at our values, by getting clear on what those are, um, by sharing our money stories that we started to uncover um, with our partner, perhaps with our spouse, all of this, this type of conversation really becomes really important. It's kind of like the foundation before we jump into the nitty gritty of the numbers of what, what our numbers now look like and what exactly is that we want to achieve based on who we are, what we want, what's our values, what's our mission as a family, right? All that, right? And before we get into the, well, how come we're not saving in here? And how come we're not investing there? And why, you know, all that we have to, you know, so I just wanted to make that clear. And and, and on that note, I want to ask you, because I don't think we really talked about this. I want to ask you, of those of you who are married or were married at some point, tell me in the chat, if money is a source of tension in your marriage, what or has or was or has been, tell me one, if it is a source of tension, two, if it's not. Hey, Lillian, tell me in the chat, because we really, we see, we find this really, we find it often. No, Lani says, no, not for me, not a source of tension. Thank God. Good, 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 good. It's been at times somebody says, we really have to learn to have these conversations. I see ones. I see yes, definitely. We've got to have money dates. And again, 
there's best practices on how we do these, which I've touched upon um, briefly. Um, we don't necessarily start with the numbers. We want to start getting to know each other, all the things. And obviously, the numbers are very important. It's inescapable, right? And and actually, I you'll see that the numbers really give us a tremendous sense of clarity and of empowerment. They really give us direction. They really do. Um, and I think, Dania, you can speak to this because I think you've really learned it in your life. Dania's been one of my students for a long time. You, what, what I find is that, you know, we really do need very often, you need someone to hold you through any of the, I don't know, the resistance perhaps, um, and the confusion that might come up, you know, to really hold you accountable through those next steps of acting on those numbers and, you know, kind of what are the numbers really telling me? What are they telling you? You know, which really means setting up the goals and setting, building the systems to achieve those goals. Really, this is just so, so important. And also to have somebody to hold you, to hold you accountable, um, but also to kind of call you out on your money story, I would say, and how it's really affecting you. Uh, you know, kind of like shine a light on that um, and give you even proven scripts. Like we do that. We give proven scripts of how to, how do we say certain things? How do we communicate with our spouses or somebody in our family or, you know, somebody we need to have a money conversation? Um, how do we communicate and get past that discomfort that um, in the, in the, in the conversation, right? And so there are those of you who are going to want that, who are going to want that kind of level of support and implementation, that kind of, you want to work on a financial transformation. Some of you really will want that. They'll want, you want to work with me and that's because it's really important work. Um, and some of you will want to do that transformation work, um, you know, maybe with me, maybe even with somebody else. And, and that's totally fine. But Either way, whatever the case may be, I want you to know that the bottom line is that we have to do it. We can't just come for four days, five days, because we still have an amazing day tomorrow. My favorite. I think it's my favorite topic tomorrow. We can't just come and just be all inspired and then let it fizzle away. We have to do it. We have to take an action. We have to take a stand for the transformation. We have to take a stand for ourselves. It's really, really crucial for ourselves, for our marriage. For our children, the legacy that we're leaving and our children. I wrote, I just wrote an article. I've been uh, about educating our children on money. You can read it on Chabad.org. And I've been getting so many responses of people who say, Oh my gosh, I really, this is so important. Thank you for shining a light on this. Yes. You know, we have to educate ourselves. We have to grow ourselves. We have to, because we have to model this for our children. We have to live, leave behind a better legacy than perhaps was given to us. Right. So. I obviously would love it if it's with me because I really believe that my coaching program is the only program out there that really, really addresses the mindset and the mechanics of building a Jewish financial system, as I like to call it, you know, where the mechanics, the strategy is really combined with the spiritual. I don't think we get that anywhere else. But even if you don't work inside my program, I really want you to find someone. I really found you want you to find someone to take you through a financial transformation journey, the right transformation. And please, God, it'll be me, but it doesn't have to be as long as you find your person to keep going deeper in doing this kind of work. That's what's important to me. Okay. So let's recap a little bit. We've done mindset. We've done giving and 
we've done values. We did values yesterday. And I know you're going to be in such a much better place if you really put this into practice. Let me just check that. Yeah. Okay. If you really put this into practice, yes, Blanky, breaking the cycle. Exactly. I just know that if we really put this into practice, if you make these financial decisions, what we talked about yesterday from a place of values, not of comfort, not of this is how everybody does it. This is how this is, I guess, how it's been done um, mindlessly. I know the changes that can happen for you. The action is key. The action is key. But the problem is, like I suggested to you yesterday, is that that action demands courage from us, right? I have to increase my prices. I have to have difficult uh, difficult conversations with my husband or with my parents or with whomever. I have to make a budget and stick to a budget, perhaps. I have to change spending habits, perhaps. I have to negotiate with a bank. Whatever those actions might be, 20 seconds of courage and then another 20 more and another more, right? It's all in the action. And somebody, somebody asked me via DM and it's, there hasn't been a retreat where I haven't gotten this. Somebody said this week, but yeah, L, what, and by the way, feel free to DM me. I try to respond to everybody. Okay. What if it's not enough, even for my expenses, for my needs? And obviously, obviously I have tremendous empathy and, you know, we had a conversation about it. Um, and we'd have to, you know, really look at the numbers and what's going on. You know, it's this an income challenge or an expenses challenge or a combination of both. But I want to also say something. I, I want to challenge you in a, in a really positive way, coming from a place of love. I want to ask you to, to take, to really think with bravery, like where is that challenge trying to push you and you're not taking the opportunity? Is it to look at your expenses? Is it to look at your income? Is it to make a budget, to implement it, to lower or eliminate expenses that you hadn't noticed or you hadn't even noticed that they don't represent your values? Is it to have hard conversations? Is it to increase different new income streams? You know, look for new income streams that completely push you out of your comfort zone, which inevitably is going to happen, right? So the challenge might be real. I get that. But what I want you to know, what I want you to really internalize is that more real than the challenge is the opportunity. It's the opportunity for growth. Within you, it's already the, it's already the ability to, to turn that challenge into an opportunity, to turn it around. God gave you already that ability. You're sitting on it. So really the question is not about the challenge of the lack of, you know, m- money, the lack, quote unquote, as we're say- saying in this example, right? In this question, the question is really about what do I have to do about this? Where am I going to put those 20 seconds of bravery every single day to show God that I'm here for this, that I trust that together with him, I can turn this that he's presented in my life for a reason because he knows what's on the other side, that I can turn this around. We are not victims. This is what I want you to know. We are not victims ever. And remember, I told you yesterday, courage is not the absence of fear. 
It's doing it with the fear, right? And, and, and the other side of that fear is that new person. It's where the growth happens. You know, it's like it, like it explains in the, in the, in, it, in, 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 by our sages, the difference between, I bet you've heard this before, maybe not, but the difference between angels and humans, what's the difference? What's the difference? The angels are, they're called umdim. They're standing. They're standing creatures. They can't go from level to level. They're in one level. That's it. It's a great level, but there's no, there's no moving forward. There's no growth. Whereas us humans, we are described as what? Holchim. We are movers. We move ahead. We're moving. We're always growing. We have to be growing. Look at, for example, water. I love this. I love thinking about water. I put a gif of water today for our topic. Our topic is abundance. So look at, look at water. You know, water is often a symbol for Torah. It's, it really is not just spiritual life, but it's physical. It represents uh, physical life in this world. Nothing exists without water, right? And what do we know about water? When it's stuck, it's, poisonous. It's, it's disgusting and it becomes really, really harmful. But if it's flowing, right? It's life. It's vitality. It's electricity. The same is with us, right? It's all back to the action, right? What do the sages say? Action is the most important thing. What am I doing today? How am I getting out of my comfort zone? How am I taking this challenge? What am I doing it? How am I turning into opportunity? I want to get somewhere. I want to get to, let's say, Britain, and I change the degrees of the compass, I don't know, two degrees, you're not getting to England. You're getting to Portugal, perhaps. You can get somewhere else, right? So we have to change the degrees of the compass. We have to do it. And our brain is going to be there to protect us and to try to keep us in our comfort zone, but we know what to do, okay? We know what we need to do. And our thoughts are going to play tricks. And for example, I hear like, oh, this person bought this house or built themselves this house. Am I thinking, oh, those rich people or my husband tells me, um, you know, I, I, I need you to slow down on the expenses or something's going on with my business. Oh, he's suffocating me. Uh, he doesn't love me. Right. Or you're going to charge your client. And all of a sudden you keep forgetting to sell and send those invoices. Right. Um, or you're about to launch a new, I don't know, service, product, workshop, whatever it is. What are they going to think about me? Who am I to sell this, right? Um, my parents, my family, if I'm financially successful, we talked a little bit about this in day one, right? They're not going to accept me. That's a very, it's a very subconscious. Am I, am I, am I betraying the family legacy, right? That income ceiling, right? Can I really make more than my mother or my father? This is a big one, guys. These, this is the thoughts come to, they're, they're going to try to keep us there, right? We don't even realize it. We don't realize it. That's why it's important to do the work to become aware of where our hangups are, our habitual way of thinking, of reacting, all that stuff, all that money story, right? And then just know that we recognize it and we can say, oh, thank you. But now I have to do the thing. I have to act. Okay. So what are things we're going to act on? Okay. So for example, we have to read our numbers. We have to understand what they're telling us without freaking out. <laughs> we have to allow them to guide us, right? And give us the clarity on the path. 
um, that we want to forge forward. So, so important. We have to speak again about money with confidence, with clarity, with no shame, with no ambivalence, none of that stuff. We have to systematize our donations, right? Just in the same way as we create a system for saving and investing, we have to systematize, systematize those donations so that we are giving in the proper way. We're not undergiving, we're not overgiving, right? We have to design plans that advance financial plans that advance our values and we have to implement them. The savings, the investing, the looking at expenses that might be misaligned, all adding more income streams, all that stuff. And all of that, I will say, really goes hand in hand. It happens in tandem with what I like to call the foundation of everything. And that is our trust and reliance on God, right? Which then we are demonstrating how we're demonstrating through those actions, those new behaviors, those new ways even of speaking. Okay. So is this making sense? Yes. I'm seeing a lot of happy faces making sense. Okay. Here, let's, let's fuel this. Let's, let's, let's get to the, the, the secret number four, which is really trust in God and his abundance. Okay. So let's fuel our actions with this. We've talked about, we've talked about values. We've talked about tithing. And the bottom line is, that a person who doesn't trust in God is not going to fully live in alignment with his or her values, right? If we don't trust in something greater than our selfish needs, than the limits of the natural boundaries of the world, we're never going to satisfy the voice of our soul that is striving to go higher, to go beyond, to transcend and live a life where the soul is the main protagonist, right? So trust in God is part and parcel with living in alignment with your core self, which we know in this group has to do with our finances. We have to make sure that we're financing those values, that we're advancing financially that mission, okay? And by the same token, when we talk about tithing, right, I can very easily rationalize my way out of systematizing my start. Giving 10% is no, it's not, how do they call it? They say like not a, not a drop in a, in the bucket. It really ends up being a lot of money. Thank God. It's really an amount. Okay. The, the entire idea of my sir that I should give of my money, which by the way, is like, I make it with my energy, right? Like it explains it. The book of Tanya, like you're really giving of yourself, because you put so much energy, you put so much of yourself in, in your work, right? In earning that money. That entire idea really rests on trust that it is God who runs the world and it is God who decides how much I'm going to have, right? So this is all also really crucial. And like I told you in day number one, there's, we're trusting in this God and we are trusting that there's no such thing as taking from anybody else and nobody's taking from me, right? When we have full trust, we understand that there is individual supervision for every human being and that whatever I receive does not take away from somebody else and vice versa, right? Blanca, every time I say this, I think of you. I want to share this because it's one of my favorite things. And this is, this is just, I feel like it's so important for this lesson. The fourth Rebbe of Chabad, the Rebbe Maharaj, just put it so clearly. I wish like we, we need to all memorize this. Okay. It was actually really blunt, but like, I like when things are just straight to the point. He said, the, a Jew is not deficient in sustenance. He is deficient in his trust of God. He says, 
there's an abundance of sustenance being provided for a Jew. However, if one is deficient in trust, the sustenance may not reach him. I mean, like, come on, we got to think this, right? First of all, there's abundance. That's exact. That's what he says. Don't limit him. There's abundance. God has for everyone. Not only is, like I said, day one, not only is the money not limited, but his ability to bring you the money is not limited, right? He has infinite ways of doing that. You're limited. We are limited. Our notions are limited. We think we're stuck in this natural paradigm. But God, no. And furthermore, if we are deficient in our trust in the only one who can provide that abundance, then that sustenance may not reach us. I mean, this is really powerful. This is crazy important. It's like the Lubavitcher Rebbe gave us the analogy, the imagery of a faucet. He said, think about a faucet, okay? He said, bitachon, the Hebrew word for trust, it's like a faucet. If we have it, if we have trust, then the blessings come through, right? It's an open faucet. But when we lack it, when we lack the trust, then the faucet has been shut off. And we don't want that, obviously, right? Actually, I always tell my students, say, I, you, remember, you maybe heard me say this before, but I'd like to think about money like as though it were like either a lake or a river. I'm going to explain to you what, what I mean by that, Okay. What's the difference between a lake and a river? And I, I see this constantly. Like it's a way that people really kind of like think about money. What's the difference between these two bodies of water, right? When we look at a lake, what are we looking at? We're looking at this finite resource that is capable of being drained dry, could run out, right? And then we have this river that is like constantly being replenished by various sources of water that flow into it, and it just keeps running and flowing. Tell me in the chat, how do you tend to view money? Do you think you view it more like a lake or like a river? One, if it's a lake. Two, if it's a river. I want to see in the chat, what do you guys think now that you hear this and that now you're starting to know yourself a little bit with money? And the lake, really, it's it's a perception that produces, you know, anxiety because we start seeing it. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're seeing it as a finite resource, right? And then so we grow, grow anxious when it, you see it diminish, <laughs> when we're faced with a, maybe a large expense, when we lose our jobs or the stock market is down, right? But if we think about it, good for you, Leah. But if we think about it um, as fluid, we calm down because we know that our money is constantly replenishing itself. It's all from God through the intermediaries to the, through the natural means of the investments that I set in place and the new business that I started and the savings account and the rate that I negotiated and the investment that I made for myself, my business, all that natural good stuff in the natural world. Okay. All right. I want us to... Oh my gosh, I love this answer. Yes, specific. Very good. Good for you, Marla. I want you to take pen and paper. Pen and paper. Do me, leave me a thumbs up if you got pen and paper. We're going to do an exercise together and I want you to write. Hillary says it fluctuates between both. Very nice. Okay. I want you to write. Here's what I want you to, and you, this question that I'm about to ask you. Okay. I see thumbs ups. Okay. You are not going to have to share in the comments. It's for you. 
Okay. So I'm not asking you to share, but I want you to do it. Take pen and paper. And I want you to write down how much do you want to save to make this year? How much income do you want to make this year? If you are not the breadwinner or not part of that equation, you're married and maybe it's a mixed equation, how much you want your husband to make or how much you want your joint income to be, how much money do you want available as income for both of you? It's not exactly the same question, but it's, we're going to see that it's going to take you to the same place. Okay. Write out the answers. I don't need you to put it in the chat. I want you to write that number. How much do you want to make this year? What is that income number? I'm pushing you a little bit. Remember I said I was, I, I, I sort of said I wasn't going to do that, but I'm doing it because it's such a great crowd. I said, okay, I'm just going to let you dream about my answer. No, let's talk about income. I want you to write it down. Now I want you to look at your answer. You don't have to share it, but I want you to look at the answer. And I want you to notice how it makes you feel. Maybe even write it next to the number. Does it make you feel excited? Does it make you feel incredulous? Like, I don't believe this. This is a joke or doubtful or small or big or cynical. Cynical, maybe. Yeah. Comfortable, uncomfortable, scared, nervous. Good for you, Marcy. Now notice how that made you feel. Okay. And now I'm going to ask you another question. And this one, I actually do want you to tell me in the chat. I want you to tell me if when you were about to write that number, or even when you wrote that number, I want you to tell me if you had the intention of writing one thing and you wrote something else. If you held yourself back, perhaps, if you changed the number, even on paper or in your head, right? If you lowered it, did you somehow change the original number that you had thought of? I want you to tell me in the chat. Tell me in the chat. And also, Laura says, yes, that happened to her. Also, tell me something else. Tell me in the chat. If you wrote or thought, thought of the word, listen to me carefully, of the word, when I ask you the number about how much you want to make this year, if you thought or even wrote the word enough, enough to cover my expenses, I don't know, enough to give my kids a comfortable life, enough to get by, did anybody for a split second even have that word come up, the word enough. Yeah, we changed it. We changed it. Yes, we changed the numbers. I see that. Yes, Hannah says, yeah, I thought about the word enough. Mm. I want us to challenge right here, right now, this whole notion of enough for a second, okay? Comes up a lot. What in the world is up with this word enough? If money is a resource that God is putting in the world, why is it that our relationship, and we trust that we are good ambassadors, why is it that our relationship with money is enough? Let me say it this way. We don't go around saying 
I just want enough air. <laughs> just, just enough air for, just for a few breaths today. Like just, just enough so that I can stay alive and, and not feel choked. Or I want enough water and up just, just, just for a little sip of water. Just, just enough for a shower. We don't, we don't do that. You know, it reminds me of that. You remember that beautiful COVID story that came out during the heat of the pandemic? This man, this Jewish man who was in the ventilator, I think it was like something like three weeks, right? And this this true story, you can look it up. At the end, when he's being released from the hospital, Baruch Hashem, um, now he was healthy and, and they give him the medical bill. They hand him a medical bill for $80,000. And he started crying. And the hospital staff, went and said, Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Don't worry. This could always, you know, there's ways to fix this and there's ways to finance this. And you could always negotiate with the hospital. You're going to be okay. It's okay. Please. This is not good for your health. We don't want you to be upset about this, but I'm sure there's ways out. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not crying about the bill. I'm crying about the debt that I have with God. I've been alive 70 something years of my life, breathing air in abundance without any problem. It never got limited for me. It was never limited. And three weeks of breathing cost $80,000. Can you imagine the debt I have with God? It is immense. Crazy story. Isn't that a beautiful story? Right? We don't go around just enough air, God. Just give me a little bit of air, just enough water to get to wash a few dishes and maybe take a shower. No, we want a lot of air. (laughs) We don't want enough air. We want all the air and we want all the water, right? And we don't just want a little bit of health. Excuse me. Refua Shelema, complete health. We want all the health. When I, re- when I pray for the health of my children, I don't play- pray for just give them a little bit more health. No, 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 no. I want an entire healthy being, right? Because you have that available, God. I don't, we don't go around saying, give me enough love in my life. Just enough love. No, no, no. All the love. All the love that is in my heart, all the love that is in everybody's heart, all the love that's available, just enough creativity, just enough creativity to get by this project. No, what are you talking about? I want all the creativity. I want, I don't want just enough resilience. I want all the resilience. I don't want just, just, just enough peace, just so that I should feel just somewhat in peace. No, I want all the peace, right? I want these things to flow abundantly. So what is with the enough? And I had a student who used to tell me, who told me one time, oh my gosh, yeah, like I really had never noticed this, but I have no shame, no problem in asking God for health, for peace at home, for nachat from my children, for everyone to be well. But I never, I would never think what you're telling me, like, it's crazy for me. I would never think of asking God for, for money. Like, it's just, I, I feel so ashamed. It would never occur to me. And I'm like, what, what what is going on here with us? Uh, excuse me. It's part of our prayers. Okay. Like it's literally code, codified in our prayers. We say it every day. Like Rabbi Chase Taub was telling me in the podcast. Yeah, we got to get over it. Like we say it every morning. We say it every day, every three times a day. We say it, right? What do you mean? We have to, like, we have to ask. We have to know that that's what God wants us to have. He wants us to have all the material prosperity. He needs us to have all the material prosperity because 
But that's what we're here for. We're here to operate in the physical world. We're here to transform the world and we need that resource. There's no shame in the money. Okay. So we don't just ask for a little bit of those things. And we don't just ask for a little bit of money. We ask in abundance. We believe in the abundance. Okay. We have to switch our mindset, our paradigm from thinking there's not enough and I could just have enough. We have to get this out of our lexicon to there is an abundance, right? And I want an abundance. And the reason that I can say that is because I'm a confident ambassador of that abundance. I know how to be an ambassador of of that abundance. Better be with me than with somebody that can't really do it, can't do something positive with it. Are we getting this? Are we? This is really important, okay? This is really important. Every morning I wake up and we show up, right? We say, okay, I'm here to serve you. I'm thanking you for giving myself today. What do I need to do today? I'm here to serve you. And that is going to include money, right? And how creative and how um, ah, expansive and excited are we going to be if we believe that there's abundance in the world, right? And that with all that, we can really live and leave an imprint, an eternal imprint in this world. We're going to be very excited. We're going to be very creative. We're going to be very ingenious. We're going to be full of life. We're going to be full of love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So let, let me give you an example. Let's say that you, I was talking about to the kids about this. Let's say that you want to be a doctor. Let's say you want to be a doctor. You won't become a doctor if A, you didn't truly believe that people become doctors and B, that there is training and education available and accessible to actually become a doctor. Yeah. So you have to believe that people actually become doctors. You have to believe that there is a way to become a doctor. There's, there's available resources to become a doctor. And number three, we have to believe that I have the ability to become a doctor. I can do this, right? I have to have these beliefs in order to actually achieve that, to become a doctor. Otherwise, I'm not going to get very far. So in the same way, if I want to be rich, if I want to prosper materially, I have to believe that A, people are making money in different ways all the time, right? People are becoming doctors, right? They're doing it making art. They're doing it writing books. They're doing it selling furniture. They're doing it making scientific discoveries, giving conferences, selling real estate. I don't know, et cetera, et cetera, infinite ways. Number two, I have to believe that there is access to that money because God just doesn't stop it from existing. It's there. It's flowing all the time. It's exchanging hands all the time. And number three, I have to believe that I have the ability to receive and to manage that money. Yes. Yes. Are we getting this? Right? Are we getting this? Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. There was once a disciple of the great Hasidic master, Reb Aaron of Karlin. And one year in that winter in Poland, it was a freezing winter, super bitter. It was becoming really, really hard 
to build a sukkah. You know, the sukkah is a structure we build outside. We're in it a whole week during the holiday of Sukkot, right? And the wind, the freezing winds, the snowstorms, all the things, impossible to build a sukkah. But this young man was really determined to, to, to help the holy, righteous individual, the Reb Aaron of Karlin. And lo and behold, he managed to build a sukkah. And everybody was so impressed. And the Rebbe was so grateful um, that he said, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. And I'm going to give you two choices. He gave him two choices. Blessing, you could choose between two blessings. A, you can have a place next to me in the next world. Pretty, pretty holy thing. Or B, you and your descendants can enjoy wealth for many generations. So this young man stops to think for a few minutes and then he responds, I choose the wealth. And immediately the blessing was fulfilled and everything this guy touched turned into gold, every business, so on and so forth. And this wealth continued for generations and his descendants as well. So generations passed. One of his great-grandchildren a wealthy individual himself, went on to see the Rebbe, the then Rebbe of Kerlin, okay, who was a descendant of the original Rebbe of Kerlin, Rebbe Aaron. And now the Rebbe asked the individual, do you know why your great-grandfather made the choice that he made when presented with, with that choice? Was that ever discussed in your family? Was that ever taught to you? And he says, of course, of course it was. And he told them the story that was passed down to them. He said that as at that moment of choice, his great-grandfather realized that were he to choose the so, quote-unquote spiritual reward, right? Having a place next to Reb Aaron of Carlin in the world to come. That reward would be for himself only. But he realized that if he were to choose the wealth and educate his descendants inculcating into the family the meaning and the purpose of wealth and how to use it in a productive manner, then he'd be benefiting and serving many, many generations. And not just many generations of his descendants, but everybody that they would touch with that wealth. And the Rebbe of Carlin says, that's it. That was the correct and altruistic decision, taking the wealth. So why is it that choosing wealth is a selfless choice, the correct choice, right? And the answer is very, very profound, but very simple at the same time, actually. It's like so simple and yet so profound. And it's what I've said on the podcast before, the wealth fulfills that messianic vision that God has for the world, the entire purpose of creation. Wealth is part of that, right? That doesn't happen. Messianic vision is not happening in the heavens. It's happening here in the physical world, right? That's why we're here to make this place holier than heaven. And that requires material abundance. We don't achieve it by sitting all removed in a mountaintop. No, we, we achieve it through being interacting here in the physical world. We need the physical, we need the money, right? It's part and parcel of that vision, that messianic vision that God set out up for creation in the blueprint of creation. And we, you and I here are the emissaries tasked with fulfilling that mission. That's why we're here. So I want to ask you, Hillary says, wow. So I want to ask you in the chat to tell me which one 
do you think is a bigger challenge? Poverty or wealth? Which do you think is a bigger challenge? Poverty or wealth? Give me a one in the chat if you think it's poverty. Give me a two in the chat if you think it's wealth. Yeah, we're shifting paradigms. Exactly. We're shifting paradigms. And then we have to take the actions to really build on that paradigm, right? We got to build it. We got to shift and we got to execute it. Okay. Let me tell you a story. Happened in 1955. The Lubavitcher Rebbe had a gathering what they call a Fabrengen, in which he spoke about the test of wealth. Hint, that's the answer. That's a bigger challenge, okay? In Judaism, we understand that the test of wealth is actually greater than the test of poverty. Did you know that? Because in general, a poor person can tend to feel closer to God because It's like, that's all he can resort to in a way, right? He needs God for his sustenance and he relies from him, from him, for him. It's, it's more overt. It's more, you can see it more. He has nothing else to rely on. So it's very easy to rely on God, but for the wealthy individual, that's a lot more concealed. It's a bigger challenge because it's so easy to fall into thinking that whatever he has, he's responsible for. He's so witty. He's so smart. He has so many connections. He has a, such a business, right? It can lead to arrogance where he can easily fail to see the hand of God and to see that God is the only source of his sustenance. So wealth is the greater challenge. So the Rebbe is discussing this challenge, the test of wealth. And he said the following, and you can watch it on video. It's very, very powerful. He says that the test of wealth is a difficult one. And I actually don't want to give you, I don't want to give it to you by memory because I want you to, I want to, I have it, I have it here. I want to tell me in the comments if this is like starting to blow your mind away. Oh, here it is. Okay. So listen to this. The Rebbe says, the test of wealth is a very difficult one. However, if at least every Jew could become wealthy, And then he says, (laughs) it's the custom in America to take votes, you know, like when you're on a board meeting, right? So whoever is in agreement to take up on himself that God grant him abundant wealth and is not afraid of fighting with his lower self, which will threaten him and challenge him to keep him behind, should raise his right hand enthusiastically. Actually, should raise his hand, right hand enthusiastically. And ladies, you would think, what would we think? You think people would actually raise their hands, right? This very, very unusual opportunity to actually be blessed by a tzaddik with the blessing of wealth. Of all those people, would you believe, <laughs> hundreds of people, would you believe that only six people raised their hands? They missed the point. They thought it was too chutzpah to ask the Rebbe for wealth, spirituality, and materiality. How could that be, right? They missed the point. They didn't understand the depth of what was going on there. What I, the way I see it, it's like Marla is saying, the paradigm shift. The Rebbe was giving everyone the opportunity to shift the entire paradigm, to bring that messianic vision for which the Lubavitcher Rebbe lived every single day of his life to fruition. But we didn't get it. But we didn't get it. And you can see in the video that I was so disappointed. And I say it's time we get it. 
God wants you to be rich. He needs you and I to finalize the purpose of all creation, that fulfillment of that messianic ideal, the perfection of the world that happens in this world. And so guess what? That's exactly why I call my 10-week coaching program, God Wants You to Be Rich. Because really, that's how we embark on the real financial transformation. That's how we move into the action. That's how we move into the mechanics. That's how we do all the technical stuff that we need to do to get organized, to get set up. We have to have it framed with this perspective. And the doors to the program are open right now. And I want to tell you a little bit about it because it's like so exciting. Okay. So I want to say that this, this is the place for you. If you really want to transform your relationship with money and gain the financial knowledge and clarity and confidence to create that abundant joy-filled life that we've just described that, that you actually dream of, and I know you do, right? That's what we're doing. Because I know that there are so many, and I've read through all the answers to the questions, there are so many who are trapped in that n- like never-ending cycle of fear and doubt and confusion and just lack of clarity and yet we're like, we're so insightful. We're in, you're insightful. You're smart. You're determined. You're action takers. You're here. You, you have big dreams, right? And it's, 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 it's like, you know, in your heart, on your mind that this kind of, um, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best financial path that perhaps we've been on until now. It's not going to free us. It's not going to free you or your family to live the best life and empower you to create that, that life that you want and that financial security to support that life, to advance that life, that mission, right? And that's not even to mention, ladies, we talked about this at the beginning of today, right? A little bit about this to mention the strain that it, that a lot of this imbalance of control and this lack of transparency and this like, unhealthy communication dynamic has on your most important relationship, your full, your, your, I I would believe your otherwise loving and fulfilling marriage. Right. And even with a relationship with your children. Right. So I want you to think what would be possible? What would be possible if you had a brand new paradigm when it comes to money as well as the knowledge and the confidence to approach that money, that resource with maturity, with partnership, with purpose. And you had the strategy. This is so important. The strategy and the literacy, really the language, the understanding of the mechanics, right? And that boost and confidence, but in a way that is really aligned with your values and your faith. That's what we're doing. And the opportunity is right here, right now. It's open now. So I'm opening the doors to this program. This program starts January 24th. And over 10 weeks, not only do we have a lot of fun, but you really will achieve that, like that peaceful, that confident. And I know we've had students here. Dania might be here. Uh, Blanca's here, right? It's like, like that peace. Like Blanca told me the other day when I saw her in Miami, it's like, you gave me freedom. You gave me peace. And I was like, whoa, 
that's kind of like a lot. I didn't do it, but yes, and she did the work, right? That peaceful, confident relationship with money that your soul really wants. So if you're looking for transformation, if you're looking for implementation, we're doing things, okay? It's not inspiration. It's actually getting to work in an uplifting setting and an uplifting program that really promises you more money because you're going to earn, you're going to save, and you're going to invest more, and you're going to give in a way that is that you're meant to, right? And we talked about that and how is that that is guarantee, a guarantee for wealth, right? So we're earning more, we're saving more, we're investing more, we're giving in the proper way, right? A program that gives you more, promises you more control over that which you can actually control. We've talked about this because, you know, part of trusting in God is knowing that he takes care of you, but that you have to manage his blessing of money responsibly and wisely and more inner peace. If you want a program that is also going to guarantee you more inner peace, because now you have the new mindset and the new habits around money that are going to free you from all that negative energy and all that worry. Then, then I want to tell you that, yes, God wants you to be rich is for you. And I want to say something else that I actually never did before. And I'm so excited that we're doing this this year because I, I am so confident and I've seen my students' lives change so much. I am so confident in the life-changing value of this program that I'm doing something that I've never done. And I'm so happy. And that is that I'm offering 100% money-back guarantee. Like literally, there's no risk in telling, taking this program because if you complete this entire course, if you attend to 80% of the live lessons, you do all the homework and you show it to me and you feel like you really haven't radically transformed your view and your handle of your money, I'll give you your money back. Literally, no questions asked, okay? But here's what I want you to know. Here's, uh, here's what I really want you to know. We could all carry on feeling stressed and, you know, kind of like being that passive agent, passively going through life, or we could just stay in this, you know, trying to keep up with the Goldsteins and the Schwartzes, or we could spend hours reading books and podcasts, only feeling totally frustrated that we're not really advancing in our financial life as, you know, we'd like, or feeling shame. I talked about that, right? Feeling shame about your financial situation or wondering why everybody else seems to have it together. Or how's the alternative, ladies? How is the alternative? How is the alternative getting the, gaining the confidence and the trust and the clarity to actually manage and grow your money in a way that is fully aligned with your soul's desires? How about that? I want you to listen to this that I want to say now because I feel like this is a lesson about money and a lesson in life. And you're going to want to write this in your notes. Okay, because it's going to help you through life. The biggest obstacle between where you are and where you can be is your belief in the possibility. Do you believe in the infinite possibilities that God has available for you? Do I believe that? Do I believe in the abundance, in the wealth, in the joy, in the health, in the prosperity? Do I believe that? right? You've ever seen, I'm sure you've watched these videos. You know how they train elephants? You know how they train these big, gigantic elephants in these big open zoos and these safaris? How they train them not to like 
leave a certain place, not to leave the place, right? You know what they do? It's crazy. You can look it up. They take them as babies and they try, they tie a rope to their leg and they tie them to a pole. And so the little baby elephant walks and walks and walks and walks until like there's, there's a limit, there's a place until he can, he can't, he can't go any further. Right. And so the baby learns that, you know, he can walk a certain distance, but he's going to always get, no matter where he goes, there's a distance where I can't go past it. Like physically I can't, cause I feel the pressure. I can't go past. And so the, the baby elephant grows up and now it's a big gigantic elephant. It could go anywhere it wants to, but guess what? All they have to do is put the cord on its leg. Now it's not tied to anything because that gigantic elephant can break down any pole. And yet the elephant only goes to that limit, to that place that he has learned seemingly exists. It's a crazy thing. Thing. And so what I want to ask you is, what is your rope? What is your rope? What are the beliefs that are holding you be- back from that financial freedom, from living in abundance, from living without the financial worries, from designing this life, this better life that your soul really wants, the charity, the guests, the Shabbat meals, the family experiences, the travels to Israel and to other places in the world that you dream of, the work that lights you up. What is holding you back? What is your cord? You want to give. You want you and your family to live a life of strong Jewish values. You want to be an amazing agent of this beautiful resource. What is holding you back? What is your rope? We have to ask ourselves these questions. By the way, stay tuned because we're going to, okay? So it's, it's not true that it's the economy. Like I could already, I could, I could already hear it, right? It's not true that it's the economy and it's not true that it's the government and it's not true that it's the cost of uh, Jewish life, the job market. Yeah. Those are external circumstances. Yes, they are there. But remember what we said? And we've been saying it all along. We are not victims. We are never victims. What it, why is this situation in front of me in particular? What does God want me to do with this? Because where is that coming from? It's not coming from the economy. Who's sending that challenge? God Almighty, right? Again, it all goes back to the same place. From every crisis, you will notice that there is someone who always emerges victor- victorious, right? We've seen that, right? There's always that person who can say, I came out of this challenge victorious. And the difference is in what they believe. It's in their perception. It's in how they perceive that challenge, whether it be financial or otherwise. And in what in turn they do with the challenge. So the fact is, and again, this is a lesson for life. You're going to want to keep this. Put a post-it somewhere. Whatever you're not changing you're choosing. Whatever we don't change, we're choosing. So it's really time for us to raise our hands, think about that story and say, yeah, like I'm up for the challenge of wealth. This is the type of individual that I am. So here's what I want to do before I announce the the homework winners. Okay. Because I I really want to incentivize you. uh, And I, 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 
you'll see that you've seen during this week that I really do this a lot. I want to incentivize you to take action. Again, everything is in the action. I want to incentivize you to raise your hand to cast that vote of confidence in your on yourself. Okay. So for the next 24 hours, Justina, you don't even know this, but this is what we're going to do. Okay. So make a note somewhere for the next 24 hours, the first 10 people who enroll and God wants you to be rich are going to get a one-on-one coaching call with me. And I don't really ever do this. Okay. And those of you who've had one-on-one coaching calls with me know how valuable they are, right? I don't take private coaching clients anymore. I only have one couple that I'm working with right now who is amazing and is making amazing progress, right? So we're going to do that. Okay. First 10 women who sign up to the program are going to get a one-on-one coaching call with me for an hour. And also everybody who enrolls in the next 24 hours is going to get a guest, a bonus session with a guest expert that I think is phenomenal. We have Rabbi Dave Mason. He's the author of The Cash Machine and the creator of Financial Fundamentals. He is phenomenal. You're going to love this. This is, we're really going to get to the nitty gritty of all the financial fundamentals that we do. And this is on top of what we cover in the course. Um, and by the way, it's on top of the bonus sessions that we have in the course. We have three other additional bonus sessions aside from the time that you're with me. So all of that is available for those of you who sign up in the next 24 hours. And obviously the first 10 people who sign up will get the coaching session that I, that I, that I just mentioned. But I want to say something else. This is live. Like this is not, uh, download a bunch of videos on your computer and sit on them for the next five years. Again, I don't believe in that. I want us to be active agents. We have a job to do. It's time we do it. Okay. We are sitting together on Zoom twice a week. Yes, twice a week for the next 10 weeks in a room where I hold you accountable, where I hold you, hold space for you, where we work together, where we see you, where we hear you, where we encourage each other, where we grow together. And that is invaluable. That's where the change really happens, right? And then aside from the fact that I think it's super transformative, we also have a lot of fun. It's very joyful. So let's actually raffle the price for yesterday's homework. And Justina sent me the names. And then I'm going to give you homework for today because I know you're going to, I actually know you're going to love this homework. It's a, it's a really good one. Okay. All right. So we have two winners today. We have the winner. Got my names here. We got the winner for the thank you Hashem journal. Thank you, Leah Mandel. These are for making these beautiful journals. Okay. So we have that winner and that winner is Jenny Buxenbaum Skura. Congratulations. You won that prize. Congratulations. And then we have a winner for prize number two which is the half scholarship. I'm so excited. And by the way, we're raffling another one tomorrow. The winner is Nicole Gorin Ackerman. You just won the half scholarship. Nicole Gorin Ackerman, you just won this half scholarship. Jenny, you won your journal. Be in touch with Justina, okay? Justina's going to be in touch with you. And by the way, I don't want you to worry that if you enroll in this program and then you win a scholarship about what's going to be, what's going to be out, we'll send you the money right away. Like that's not even a question. Okay. That's how it is. If your name is coming out of that random number generator, you won. That's it. Okay. But don't miss out on these bonuses if you really are the kind of person who wants this kind of transformation. Okay. So here's going, here's today's homework. Two prices. Again, two prices. Okay. Price number one. For tomorrow. We're going to do this tomorrow. We're raffling off again, an Amazon gift card. And number two, half a scholarship to the program. Okay. Half a scholarship to uh, God wants you to be rich. So two winners tomorrow, 
do the homework. Again, this is for you. This is action. Action is the main thing. I want you to make the most of these five days. And of course, there's going to be somebody winning a full scholarship too, as I said before in day one. So here's what I want you to do. And Justina's going to put it in the, in the, in the, in the, the Facebook, the Facebook group that here in the thread. Okay. So you're going to answer in the thread or pen and paper, take a picture, however way you want to do it, but just answer in the thread. Here's what we're answering. Three questions. Take notes if you want to. And number one, we sort of build up to one to this one already over four days. Oh my gosh. And I can't wait to tell you what the topic is tomorrow. Number one, here is what I want you to do. What is my why of money? What is my why of money? And I know at this point, you're starting to something powerful is going to come pen to paper. What do I think is my why of money? Number two, I want you to write down what is your cord? What is holding you back? What are you ready to leave behind? What is that cord? That's number two. Again, you're going to be journaling today. You don't. It doesn't have to take you a long time, but t- take t- pen to paper or type it if it's easier for you. But I find I find journaling like the experience of actually writing. Okay, so what's that cord? What's holding me back? What am I ready to leave behind? And number three, really powerful. What is the cost of you staying tied to that rope? I want you to do that introspection. What is the cost of staying tied to that rope? Okay. So that's what we're writing for tomorrow. I'm really looking forward. I think these are going to be very, very moving entries. And tomorrow we have one of my favorite, favorite topics, monetizing our mission. Ladies, this is something that is not talked about enough. And this is what we do here. Obviously, we talk about and we learn things that are not taught enough (laughs) either. And that we as Jewish people need to know and need to act on. So monetizing our mission, that's in store tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. Be in touch. If you have any questions on God wants you to be rich, be in touch with me. Be in touch with your mentor. Take advantage of the bonuses for the next 24 hours and be here tomorrow because it's going to be amazing. Lots of love and I'll see you here tomorrow. Take care, everybody.